They say America is dying. They say America is dead. But there's a lot of people lying. And there's a lot left unsaid. But we got people in the streets freezing while they sleep with no shoes on their feet. And we got people in the sheets cheating on their wives. This has been a tough week for America. It's been an embarrassing and disgusting week for those of us who believe that the recent presidential election was tainted with unanswered questions about fraud and massive voting irregularities. Whatever hopes we had that there might be a sincere investigation into the evidence that the media claimed did not exist was wiped out by Antifa, BLM, and a very few hotheads at our nation's capital. To be clear, of the tens of thousands of protesters and demonstrators who descended upon Washington, most really were peaceful, law-abiding patriots who love God, their families, and their country. But those who stormed our nation's capital, of members of Congress and the capital itself, those were not patriots. Some of those participating in this mayhem or who tried to defend it were compared with the actions of the mob to those of our founders, like the American Revolution. The Revolution of 1776 was carefully thought out. It was meticulously planned and carried out by people who had exhausted all avenues to peacefully secure their liberty and to rid themselves of the intolerable behavior of their mother country, England. They declared their independence in a carefully crafted document and pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor. They did not act spontaneously or compulsively. Their actions were thoroughly contemplated and the consequences were fully understood. What happened this last week was carried out by Antifa, proven in video, and patriots moved by raw rage. This is no rational consideration of consequences. There are no excuses or explanations for endangering innocent people, destroying public property, and challenging the authority of law enforcement. Even if 95% of that crowd were God-fearing, law-abiding citizens who rightfully angry that their beloved republic is being taken over by Marxists, and that the useful idiots in the media who follow along, there was still no justification for the mayhem. The American Revolution indeed became violent and resulted in a war. But they were not a mob who in a blind raid launched something that they had no plan to fulfill. They articulated their grievances, requested relief, and only after all possible remedies were rebuffed, they declared independence. I support many policies that President Trump implemented to put America first that Biden is about to destroy. I'm glad that he stood up to China and Russia brought manufacturing jobs back to America, cut taxes because he believed that we could spend our money better than the government could. He fought to protect the lives of the unborn babies, protect religious liberty. He stood with Israel against those who sought to annihilate her and who appointed constitutionalists to the court. We are told that Joe Biden will be the next president. 
He is not who I voted for. But I will not burn down the country because he's president. I'll speak out for my views and I'll faithfully vote in every election, even if they are rigged. But as disgusted as I was and am when BLM and Antifa followers were burning our cities, looting stores, and attacking police officers, I am equally disgusted when people who may share many of the same views that I do do the same thing. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer are calling on Vice President Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and immediately remove President Trump from office, blaming him for inciting the violent protesters at the nation's capital. Pelosi said, quote, The gleeful desecration of the United States Capitol, which is the temple of our American democracy, and the violence targeting Congress are horrors that will forever stain our nation's history, instigated by the President of the United States. That's why this is such a stain. Unquote. Washington is stained. But those stains did not appear on Wednesday. Just a reminder, it started with her. Throughout the spring and summer of 2020, up until the polls showed that it was hurting the Democrats, Pelosi and Schumer were publicly supportive of violent protesters who rioted, burned, looted, and murdered in cities nationwide, including our nation's capital. They staged long-term assaults on local and federal officers, seized private property, threatened and killed citizens, and laid siege to a federal courthouse in Portland, throwing Molotov cocktail-like firebombs into it. That courthouse is just as property and a temple of American democracy as the Capitol is. Pelosi's response to all that was to support the violent protesters, dismiss concerns about old buildings and smear officers who were trying to protect federal property as Nazi stormtroopers, as she called them. When we called her out on it, she tried to split hairs by claiming that she only said that they were acting like stormtroopers. Well, gee, Nancy, there's a difference there, isn't there? I have zero interest in listening to Pelosi, Schumer, or any other politician who spent much of 2020 egging on rioters and attacking police, piously lecturing us about the dangers of irresponsible rhetoric from public officials. Their moral high ground is a muddy sinkhole. The mayor of Washington, D.C., has been doing such a great job that she now thinks that she deserves to be promoted to governor. She's calling on the new Congress to send legislation to Biden's desk after his swearing in, of course, that within the first 100 days to make the District of Columbia the 51st state. Which, of course, would add two more permanent Democratic senators and at least one more far left voting representative. Yeah, but if you look at it, this would be blatantly unconstitutional, although I doubt that would prevent it from happening, considering the makeup of the incoming Congress and the White House. It would require a massive and expensive court fight to block it. And who has that kind of money? 
I fear that this is just a preview of what the next two years are going to be like. Mark Stein, speaking on Wednesday's Tucker Carlson show, had a sharp observation. He said, quote, It's always interesting to me that people are surprised when a tactic that's proved effective for one group of people is then suddenly taken up by the other group of people of whom they don't approve. There's been a complete collapse of equality before the law. The more people on the left are not subject to any laws, the more onerous the burden falls upon the law-abiding citizen. Those on the left can do anything, he said, while those law-abiding souls on the right are micro-regulated. At some point, that has to give. And whoever is behind this, to a certain degree, that gave in Washington at the Capitol. If that is what we are seeing, we conservatives will have to be careful not to become the thing that we hate, as we so often happens with people. It's going to sound cliche to say this, but we really are better than that. I've noticed that anyone who points out that the same Democrats who supported violent leftist protesters who attacked federal buildings are now condemning violent right-wing protesters who attacked federal buildings is being accused of whataboutism. For those unfamiliar with this word, it's a made-up term that means stop pointing out my hypocrisy. President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris demonstrated how they plan to practice their unity and healing by accusing the Capitol Police of racism and claiming that they had these, if claiming that had those protesters been black, the police would have used tear gas and shot them. I'm confused. Just a few months ago, black people were rioting and destroying our capital in cities across America. Where's the outcry from Biden and Harris now? The police did nothing to those black people then. I do not know if they've been keeping up with the news. But one of the unarmed Trump supporters was fatally shot by someone that is claimed to be reported as a police officer. And as Professor Glenn Reynolds of Instapundit points out, if the police had shot a black protester, it would have been reported in the mainstream media outlets. And also, they did use both tear gas and pepper spray. The cynical attempt to rewrite history to practice race baiting has not gone unknown for the last eight months. With the House Democrats accusing Republicans of insurrection and demanding their expulsion while condemning the violent protesters as domestic terrorists, here's a reminder, courtesy of Instapundent. Last June, House Republicans proposed a resolution condemning violence and rioting. And get this, the House Democrats unanimously blocked it. Hey, everyone. 
and welcome to Around the Campfire with Kate. Thank you for joining me. And if you're like me, you enjoyed the introduction music by Dave Bray and Jeremy Harrell entitled America is Dying, but it's not too late. Tonight I will continue from part one from last Sunday night on how to survive in these times of uncertainty. There's so much disinformation out there right now, more so than I can remember. Everyone seems to be in a panic and not thinking clearly. Panic is what the collective they wants. So if and when something does happen, nobody will care anymore. And they'll follow the narrative of the left to listen to. People listen to me. Everyone wants that tiny ray of hope because that's all that seemingly that they have to grasp onto. So whatever makes sense in their head, they're going to spread it around. Unless something is verified authentically, do not fall for the rhetoric. Stay calm. Use your head, not your panic to move forward. Don't end up being one of those people who just starves to death inside your home because you're unable or unwilling to help yourself. You have to help yourself. Nobody's going to help you but you. And when I say nobody, I don't mean your immediate family or your team members. And we'll talk about the people you're getting out with and surviving with later. What I'm talking about I'm talking about taking control and really preparing yourself. Don't wait to do this stuff. It needs to happen right now. You should feel really insecure if you're not prepared. And you should continue to feel insecure about your situation until you are prepared. I like to use the simple metaphor to explain what I mean by helping yourself. And I use this a lot in my classes. It's a really simplified idea of what I just talked about. Imagine that one winter night, you're sleeping in your bed. Suddenly you wake up and it's cold in the house. All of us have experienced this. You don't have enough blankets on your bed. You know you can't muster the energy to get up. Go to the hall closet and get yourself another blanket. You could just lie there and freeze all night and not sleep. Feel sorry for yourself. Or you can get your lazy butt out of bed and get yourself another blanket. It might seem like a no-brainer, but I know so many people who wouldn't get up and get a blanket to help themselves. In survival situations, you have to help yourself. You cannot rely on somebody else to do it for you. You can't start feeling sorry for yourself. You have to do it. If you're cold and you don't get up to improve your shelter or get up to do something about it, then you're not going to survive. In crisis situations, most people tend to panic. The main reason for that is because they don't know what to do. Either stress really clouds their judgment and decreases their mental acuity, or the crisis is so far outside of the normal reality that they simply don't even acknowledge that it's happening. Planning and training are so imperative 
because you have the opportunity to provide yourself with mental landmarks that will help pull you back to clarity of thought in a stressful situation. You, you can increase this effect by not just planning, but acknowledging these landmarks at some of the roadblocks that you are going to hit and then creating them in advance with your family and discussing the training. For example, what did you learn in a certain situation? What would you have done differently? Who could have helped you? Why did you not help yourself? People believe that we are in a crisis situation right now. People need to prepare out of peace of mind and not out of panic. In any emergency, if your vehicle is mobile or if your vehicle is not mobile and you are trapped in adverse environment conditions, such as a snowstorm or something like that, you must think very carefully about leaving it. People have died by leaving their vehicles to search for help, only to leave behind family members who are eventually rescued at the vehicle. Your vehicle should be your shelter in times of adversity, left behind only when the danger is too great for you to remain. Dogs have a tremendous psychological impact on you, and many people find a good, faithful dog a real comfort, and many hostile individuals fear dogs. You should consider very heavily integrating dogs in your day-to-day life. A faithful dog can protect you, detour predators, provide companionship, and even act as a service animal if the dog is specially trained. A dog that is well-trained can be a tremendous asset in emergency. I have a German Shepherd dog that I personally take care of and train. He's the sweetest dog until he's not. He likes to travel almost anywhere with me. A dog, no matter how big or small, is a great asset to your family. How often do you consider your sewer system? Most major urban areas and even minor areas have a sewer sewer and storm drain system. Often these can provide you with escape. They lead almost anywhere. The tight space may make it easier for you to defend yourself from greater numbers too. May not smell all that good. And there is a health risk associated with sewers. But in a life or death situation, you may choose to use them to facilitate an escape. When avoiding a moving mob, look for the closest side street or doorway. Duck into one of these. Wait for the mob to pass. Don't wait for the last stragglers. You want to be among the latecomers, but not part of the mob again. Use the side streets going against the grain and circling back around to your vehicle were applicable. A crowd may lose control at any given moment for seemingly no good reason. If you see one, or if you are someplace where a crowd might get out of control, leave while things are still peaceful. If the crowd does not go berserk, so much the better. But just like leaving a ball game early to avoid the crowds driving out of the parking lot, leaving a crowd before it turns violent can make a safe passage out of the area for you. When stopping your vehicle, always plot where you could drive, who you would ram, and how 
you could power through obstacles in your path if you absolutely needed to get out of there. It's not enough to leave space in front of you. Other drivers won't allow you to pad your comfort zone as much as you'd like. You must be prepared to drive through the hazards. When seeking out hiding places, remember that your first, second, and third ideas are probably the same as everyone else's. If you can think of it, someone else can think of it. The obvious places to hide will draw immediate attention from anyone searching for you or searching for victims in general. Always choose the less obvious places as hiding spots, and predictability can get you killed. And we're creatures of habit by clinging to the same route day in and day out while commuting that could lead you to make dangerous mistakes of habit during an emergency. Change up your daily commute, and in doing so, teach yourself alternate routes of travel so you can stay flexible. Armed citizens can escape and evade in armed groups for enhanced security. Moving at a reasonable pace with weapons at the ready, use the power of your group to move through intersections and create a protective cardone around your number. Do not hurry. Do not yell. Do not draw attention. Simply apply the determination of your group and the strength of its numbers to protect your unit as a whole. The lines of electrical towers that you can see carrying high tension cables must move in a more or less straight line through which other major obstacles like trees that have been cleared, etc. You can use these electrical towers to provide you with a line of sight reference and to give you the cleared passageway to travel on foot. Follow such cables can get you to a road eventually if you're somewhere that you can't find a road. And road means what? Escape. Just like a ship tacks against the wind, moving parallel and then over to its true path, make sure that you use such an indirect route if you think you're being followed. Indirect routes will eventually get you where you need to go while throwing off your pursuers. If a riot does envelope you, don't panic on the inside. Stay calm. Join in on the outside, yelling and screaming as though you're more angry than you've ever been. Try not to engage in any property crimes unless you absolutely have to in order to maintain your cover and break away as soon as the opportunity presents itself. Do not second-guess yourself. Follow your instincts, not your fear. As dangerous as at night can be, escape might be best accomplished by waiting until after dark. Riders like to set fires, and their night vision will, will be compromised as they huddle around the objects of their destruction. Blend in, and then wander off using the cover of the night in these situations. Try very hard not to draw attention to yourself. Go slow and don't rush. Escaping quickly might lead to to disaster. If you go too quickly, you could stumble, you could make a mistake, or you could draw unnecessary attention to yourself. Slow and steady in a social chaos, evasion is a good scenario. If you're in a crowd that suddenly starts to run, 
you should try to move away in a right angle from the direction of the movement. This should allow you to disengage from the crowd and move away from the disturbance. When evading, avoid the temptation to look behind you. Looking behind you makes you look guilty or suspicious of something. It also takes focus off your forward motion, and you might miss a possible escape route. If you can, use natural reflection, like a car window or store window, for example, to look behind you, to assess what is behind while you maintain your forward focus. Fire extinguishers are great for dealing with fires, but they're actually really good weapons, too. They're heavy, so they can be used as clubs. Much more importantly, they can be discharged at a head and face level, distracting and temporarily blinding even multiple assailants. A blast from a fire extinguisher could give you time and space that you need to escape from the area. Do not be afraid to use deception if you have to, but also be prepared to be called on a bluff. In a crowd, if you think you may be a target and you're trying to yell, I'm a fireman, I'm a fireman, let me through. Firefighter is an occupation that still enjoys widespread respect, even in terrible situations. So this may give you a window that you can exploit. Remember that your first instinct in an emergency to run toward authority may not be the safest choice. In a social chaos situation, moving straight toward the police may make you a target of other rioters. Or you may find yourself being pacified by the police who don't know you want help. They're reacting to the mob as a whole and will see you as just an individual. Run away from authority figures in situations like these. Find a place where you can take shelter from the riot. Putting a building between you and the riot is the safest bet. If you have the option of staying inside or going outside when there's an angry mob that passes by, use your head and stay inside. Unless you want to lose your head. Your choice will not be heard from within. I just messed that one up. Your choice will not be heard from within an angry mob. (laughs) There's no point in going out there. Not only should you stay inside, but stay away from the windows and get well clear of them should anything like rocks or rocks or bricks be thrown through them. Also be aware of the danger of fire should someone outside start hurling torches or Molotov cocktails. It's one thing to take note of obvious exits. Do the rooms or the area that you're standing or traveling in have less obvious exits? Are there exits? Are there ways out that you might not normally think of as exits? Are there doors not intended to be used as exits that nonetheless lead outside? In an emergency, do not be afraid to duck out a window from the ladies' room, unless you're a guy. Or you can run through the kitchen door that says staff only. Less obvious exits are important. A lot of argument has risen regarding authorities' recommendations during emergencies. During 9-11, for example, those who listened to authorities, their call to stay put were killed when the towers fell. Those who disobeyed survived more often. In an emergency, listen to the recommendations of the authorities because they may be correct, but be prepared 
to make your own decisions too. You may not agree, but you need to take in as much information as possible to make a decision. Sometimes the only way to escape injury in a social chaos situation is to become invisible. Sometimes you have to do this right in the middle of the chaos. You may need to climb under something or into something like a dumpster or other place of concealment. You could hide in store shelves behind merchandise or in walk-in coolers or anywhere else that a person can hide while a mob moves around the person hiding. Becoming invisible can save you when all other avenues of escape are cut off. Exposed skin is skin that is vulnerable. During times of social chaos, cover up as best as you can. Wear long sleeves and long pants. Wear heavy boots if you can. Protect your skin from the elements and from things like pepper spray and tear gas. Consider preparing a dummy wallet with money and even a canceled credit card. This could buy you time in the event you are accosted. It can be used as a bribery to buy time and opportunity to escape. This is the same concept as staging some of your supplies as a decoy to throw off your your invaders. Large pipelines are like bridges. Using a pipeline, you can cross a ravine or any other place that the pipeline crosses. You can walk or even scoot across a pipeline to escape, to avoid water or to go around steeper impassable walls. Wastewater treatment plants are large facilities that could provide you with a good place to take shelter. They aren't some place that offers anything of value to rioters and looters, and the poor smell will help discourage others from entering. You could ride out the social chaos mobs in such a place as long as you can tolerate the smell yourself, which usually isn't as bad as many people might think it is. If in a building such as a hotel, when a riot or a mob or a terrorist bomb occurs nearby, stay away from the first two floors and from floors eight and above. These are the floors where the most damage from the first two floors and the floors where fire equipment usually cannot reach easily, which is above the seventh floor. Always avoid the windows in such a situation. And make sure you leave immediately if you sense something wrong is happening. Sticking around a hotel in such a scenario is a good way to get yourself killed. If your vehicle comes under attack with you in it, try to crawl through the back seats into the truck, which can afford you, excuse me, the trunk, which can afford you slightly more protection. Remember that your vehicle, while it seems solid, is like a child's toy to an angry mob. They can shake the vehicle, upend it, flip it, and even carry it away to drop it over embankments. If your car is flipped over, the roof very will likely cave in, causing the windows to break and showering you with pebbles of safety glass. The trunk is slightly more safe, but of course you cannot see what is happening and you will have to leave the way you entered unless your trunk has a safety release. In some scenarios, people do not want to crawl to the trunk. They smash the accelerator and go. They get themselves out of the situation. They say 
the old saying, I would rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. In an escape and invasion scenario, take advantage of people's innate compassion. Pretend to have a disability. People underestimate those that they think of as weak. Be aware, however, that this is a ploy that can backfire. That for those who seek to prey on others during times of emergency will target the disabled as easy pickings. If you try to use this ruse to gain compassion, be prepared to use force should you instead be attacked as weak. In times of social chaos, never go straight home if you are leaving the scene of the chaotic event. You may not even be a target, but the simple act of breaking out of the social chaos could draw tendrils of the mob home with you. If you must go home, consider going a different location and then waiting for the chaos event to be well past before you finally travel home. Avoid the center lanes when coming to a stop at a light or an intersection. If you do have to stop, pick the outside lanes. From these lanes, you have enough turning radius to jump a curb or a median. From the center lane, you may be stuck as if on railroad tracks with other vehicles at either fender. And sometimes you just have to play dead, dropping to the ground and pretending to be a corpse, especially if the social chaos event has caused others to die, can get you out of a tight situation by causing the others to ignore you. No one enjoys dealing with dead bodies, and after some disasters, there are plenty of dead bodies with which to blend in. Once any hostile parties have moved beyond you, you can stop playing possum and keep moving. Remember, stay low and keep moving. During any social chaos event, status symbols will make you a target. Are you wearing expensive jewelry, a pricey watch? These are flags that say, hey, rob me because I have things you may want. Take them off and make sure nobody sees them. Anything else you might have wearing that speaks of wealth or status? from your coat to your shoes, you should remove them also. And now I want to give you some special equipment tips. The lessons in this series are for informational purposes only. Do not attempt any of the techniques shown unless under the guidance of a qualified professional. Always consult your physician or healthcare professional before engaging in any physical activity. I assume no responsibility for any injury that may occur as a result of using any of these techniques I'm about to tell you about. All of these techniques may only be used in justifiable situations where care is taken not to infringe local laws regarding legal restraint and use of force. Now, when I started this series in a group on Facebook called Survive, Thrive, and Stay Alive, I received multiple tips and ideas from members of of that group. These tips and ideas are very much appreciated, so with their permission, I decided to use these ideas in the show tonight. So let's start with the antidote to Molotov cocktails that fits in your hand. One of the common dangers during civil unrest is the threat of fire, car bombs, 
Molotov cocktails, arson, all can lead to situations where you're either trapped in a firestorm or have to bypass an obstacle on fire to reach safety. For this reason, carry a portable fire extinguisher in your vehicle. I carry a small one in my bug out bag as well. These are small canisters the size of a hairspray can. You can find them in your local hardware automotive parts store. You can use them for obvious reasons. The virtual force field against barbed wire and broken glass and the danger of getting cut doesn't come only from opponents arms armed with knives. In an emergency situation, you may have to work with or repair machinery, make your way through trash-strewn areas, or clear away broken glass and other sharp objects. One of the best ways to protect yourself from this threat is with Kevlar-lined gloves. These can be purchased online or from any law enforcement supply shop, such as the uniforms or accessory stores frequented by law enforcement officers. A super glove that gives you a grip like flypaper is another great way to protect your hands without getting cut. They're like a cut-proof glove made from Anzel. That's A-N-S-E-L-L. These are stainless steel wire with a rubber coating on them. They don't just protect your hands from cuts and abrasions. They give the incredibly strong grip. Ansel Products is actually one of the biggest providers of protective gloves and clothing. The handheld flamethrower that you can make at home is an application of a portable handheld flamethrower. Well, that's kind of obvious. Most aerosol spray cans are flammable. If you have a lighter, you can fire the spray over the top of the flame and create your own short-range flamethrower, which can be used for self-defense and for utility purposes. Just use extreme caution. If you use the flame flamethrower for too long, your aerosol could explode. And if you melt the top of your lighter, it could burst in your hand. This is a tactic for extreme emergencies only. The power to build and see in the dark, there's only about a million tactical flashlights on the market. You could carry a quality, well-made tactical flashlight. Choose one that is metal, not plastic, so that it can be used in an impact weapon if needed. Get the brightest one you can find so it can be used as a weapon light. But if you can get one of those whose controls are simple enough, you may be able to use a multi-function light that has a lower brightness utility mode. Blindingly bright light is usually not the best for utility, and a lower brightness mode saves your battery life. Just make sure if you get a multi-option light that it is simple enough that you can use it under stress. A bright light can blind an assailant if you were to be in a bug-out situation at night. There are several different ways to prevent poisoning yourself, to purify your water, to make it safe for drinking. Boiling is best. 
chemical tablets that kill off germs and other hazards in the water are are good. Less important, but no less important, is physically filtering your water. There are filter bottles and even filter straws that you can pack in your gear that are relatively expensive. And they make drinking water a less risky. You can find filter equipment in sporting goods stores in a wide range of prices from a few dollars to a few hundred dollars. I have a non-electric water steam distiller. It steam distills a gallon of water an hour. I can use it on my wood stove, over a campfire, on a regular stove, etc. I also use the Sawyer water filter. I also have a life straw. Have different variations. The deadly weapon that you've seen in countless movies are flares and flare guns, and they can be purchased in sporting goods stores, boating departments, Walmart, other popular places. Not only are flares very useful for signaling for rescue, should you believe it's safe to call attention to yourself, but they can also be a makeshift weapon. Firing a flare into a bad guy's chest at close range may not be the same as using a firearm, but it's nothing most people would want to experience. The primary use of such flares, of course, is to get the attention of rescuers at a long distance. Never depend on your wireless phone for communication in an emergency. Remember that smartphones aren't necessarily all that smart at all. Such devices are a source of many potential security concerns, even if you're not experiencing an emergency. GPS tracking, hacking of your data, or theft of your phone. Those are only some of those concerns. Treat your phone like you would your wallet where losing it is concerned. Remember that a wireless phone frequently fails during emergencies because of users overloading the network. One of the best ways of communicating with other survival-oriented citizens is through ham radio. No matter how bad it gets, there are ways to communicate. Such radios are not dependent on other infrastructure like networks or hanging wires. If you can transmit from your ham radio, somebody else can hear you. Every single survival-oriented citizen should take the time to get his or her ham radio license and learn how to use ham radio equipment. It just makes good sense. Can you get water? Have you ever considered whether a drill pump is powerful enough to pump water from an average well, as, say, a depth of 75 to 100 feet? The drill batteries can be charged with the solar. The, okay, I can say this. The drill batteries can be charged with the solar walking lights that you can acquire at the dollar store. Never ever underestimate the importance of fresh water and do not expect water to be just laying around for the drinking. You may need to actively pump water in order to have it when you need it. And some people may want a specific tactical flashlight recommendation for survival. There's many out there on the market. 
but one such light is the MD2 turnkey. It retails for about $100 and uses 123 lithium battery cells. It uses the latest Cree LEDs and has a lifetime guarantee. It's also made in the USA, which is pretty rare these days. And how to pick any padlock? Your gold bag or other gear should include a pair of bolt cutters. This is a piece of equipment overlooked by many. A simple padlock should not stand between you and safety. But if you don't have the equipment to break that lock and break it quickly and relatively quietly, then you're out of luck. You may not want to alert the entire neighborhood that you're banging away on a padlock with a crowbar or a brick either. A pair of bolt cutters solves these problems. And you can use your home appliances to make fire. Tinder for fire building is as close as your home's clothes dryer. Did you know that dryer lint is extremely flammable? So instead of throwing it away, harvest it and save it. Keep it safe, cool, and dry small containers in your gear. I use the empty toilet paper rolls and fill up the rolls with lint. When the roll is full, I put the roll in a Ziploc baggie and put it in my go bag. It is available to you for easy fire starting. And did you know there's a cheap plumbing fitting that could save your life? Installing a bulb check valve on an inline drinking filter helps increase the life of the filter. Once the filter gets full, it's almost impossible to draw water through it. Installing the valve can gain you at least 20 to 30% more life from that filter than you would get from a mouth suction alone. This could be the difference between risking dirty water or having clean water to drink. There's a saying in the survival community that two is one and one is none. No matter what you have in your gear, if you do not have a duplicate for it, you could be in trouble. The slogan is very true. If you have a survival item and it breaks, you no longer have a survival item. I try to have a backup to take the place of critical survival gear. It's a good idea to vary in your spares too. Because if one item turns out to be critically flawed, they'll have a backup that doesn't share the exact same issue. There are some simple solutions for reducing the weight that you carry. In an escape and evasion situation, the ability to survive often hinges on the gear that you carry. But the gear that you carry has weight. And the heavier the gear, the more difficult it will become before you get to where you need to go to escape from the chaos. If your gear is too heavy, you may be tempted to leave something valuable behind, or you may not be able to carry your bag or your pack at all. To reduce the weight of what you carry, try to choose items of equipment that have multiple uses, like a survival shovel that can cut wire, hammer nails, dig, and saw is arguably better than those tools carried individually, which would be heavier. 
always try to choose your gear that has multiple uses. And wireless phone before you need it. Almost everyone these days has a wireless phone. Consider purchasing more than one and make sure it takes the same size battery so that they're interchangeable. You can also purchase prepaid minutes for the new phone. Such phones are usually pretty light. If the networks are still working, you have a way of communicating if you lose your regular cell phone. And you can save your life from space. There may not be a whole lot of things that you can count on in emergency, but GPS could be your friend. There are downloadable Google Maps of your area that you don't need a network to use. So download this onto your phone or your tablet. So if the grid does go down, you still have a GPS map. Using this tool, you can navigate both in your car and on foot. Download the maps of your area so that when the networks do go down, you still have a way to navigate if you don't have a physical map. And I do advocate physical maps. Learning how to read a map is very important and can save your life. The most critical piece of equipment that you can carry is your mindset. Your mindset is so important that your brain is one of the most critical pieces of equipment that you carry. Always think outside the box. For example, if you need medical supplies, are you restricting your search to hospitals and places like that? Or are you looking in veterinary offices, which have the same type of supplies? You need clean water to clean a wound? Have you looked in the toilet tank? Not the toilet seat itself, but the tank behind the toilet. Have you looked in the hot water heater? No plan survives first contact without adversity. Every situation needs clear thinking. That's all that matters at the end of the day. And the most important thing that you can do in an emergency is to stay calm. When everything around you is chaotic, keep your head together. Being able to breathe is a big part of that. If you're caught in civil unrest and there's a lot of pepper spray or tear gas being used, how would you breathe? If you don't have a mask, you can improvise a filter using a bandana wetted down with apple cider vinegar. This minimizes the effects of both the tear gas and the pepper spray. But if your eyes are exposed, use a solution of half Maalox and half water as an eye rinse. But most importantly, stay calm. And take a message and survive another day. Have you ever needed to write down a note? Take down a critical phone number or leave a message for someone only to find out you had nothing to write with or write on? 
you should carry some means of taking notes and leaving messages. You could choose to carry a Fisher Space Pen or a Dr. Grip or even a Sharpie marker and some note paper. The power to distract may be the power to survive. A loud noise could really be your friend in a bad situation. If you can get people's attention or distract them during a time of an emergency, you may be able to exploit their shocked or surprised reaction. A great tool for this is a small handheld air horn or a super loud whistle. When you hit one of these, especially during times of chaos, people tend to stop and try to assess where the noise is coming from. This may give you time an opportunity to escape and evade. And one is assumption you should always make. You know how they say assume makes an ass out of you and me? Well, generally speaking, you should assume that normal means of communication will be shut down in an emergency. Whether this is your wireless phone, your landline, or whatever else you use, make plans to work around this. Have alternatives available. The more options you have in a power failure, the better off you are. Go to an auto parts store. Think unconventionally when it comes to making a fire or as a weapon, or as a survival necessity, or for just signaling. Did you know that you can make fire chemically? Common brake fluid mixed with pool chlorine is a chemical fire starter. It also generates a lot of smoke, which can be a cover, or a way of escape, or for signaling. Just be careful not to breathe the fumes. You do not want a lung full of that mixture. On the one route you should be prepared to take in so many bug out and escape and evasion situations, the end with you walking to get to where you need to go. Are you aware of the best routes? You might not be. Every go bag or gear bag should include maps of local walking and hiking trails, even bicycle trails that can be very useful in avoiding crowds and blocking roads. But most people will take the major routes. Taking the least traveled routes are safer. Don't overlook the simple things like having a four-wheel drive vehicle. If you have to go off-road to escape and evade a crowd, you don't want to have to drive your smart car through rocks and mud. You won't get very far. A four-wheel drive truck or a four-wheel drive car is far better for this type of driving than a smaller road car. Use technology to get an advantage. One way to stay ahead of all the rest and the best escape and evasion possibilities, especially if you need to travel to get to your bug out location, is to carry a tablet or a small laptop 
a notebook with a topographical map on your hard drive of the areas that you will be covering. A topographical map gives you the lay of the land, and a computer-type device allows you to carry more maps than you'll ever carry as physical maps. These also provide you with very possible physical escape routes. There's a lot of canes that you can use, like a walking tool. And there are a lot of cane fighting products on the market, and even canes marketed specifically as weapons, with all kinds of slots and grooves cut into them. Remember, though, that a stout walking cane is just a weapon. It's also a cane. A cane can help you walk on uneven ground, with a heavy pack, assist you as you travel, whether you actually need a cane or not. The added balance and support it provides can really make the difference over long distances and on uneven terrain. This is why survival walking stacks, staffs, and hiking sticks are so popular. Even in the remotest areas where wireless phones can get no service, there's one option available, a satellite phone. While they are expensive and often require you to be within line of sight of the horizon to function, they allow you to call a loved one or call for help, even in the most remote places on the planet. In the event of civil unrest so severe that you're afraid to remain within your home, don't just leave. You need to take precautions so that your home has a greater chance of surviving the unrest or the disaster. This means turning off everything that is running, including your water and electrical appliances, switching off the box in your basement, unplug appliances for added security. It also means shutting off gas supplies in your home to prevent the danger of fire and explosion. Some survival companies sell purpose-built turnoff tools for switching off things like main gas lines. Consider keeping one of these handy and do not leave your home unsecured. This next option isn't just for action movies and military trucks. Run flat tire isn't just for action movies. You've probably seen footage of police chases on television in which drivers of vehicles who, whose tires are badly damaged continue trying to run. Their rims pour out sparks and the vehicles lose most of their mobility. In the end, the cops always capture the drivers. In an escape and evasion situation, you can't climb out and change the tire with angry mobs around you. Consider equipping your vehicle with Run flat tires. And you can't carry an entire toolbox with you. Or can you? There's so many multi-tools on the market today that you'd be a fool not to carry at least one. The typical multi-tool has pliers, wire cutters, screwdrivers, knife blade saws, can openers, and other implements, including some interchangeable tool bits. What do you do with all these tools you have in common? They're all things you might need in a survival or social chaos situation. With so many models and so many different prices on the market, you have no excuse not to carry one. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because many of us need to know. This is the end of the broadcast for me tonight. If you like the show, please tell your friends. And thank you for joining me around the campfire. Remember to train hard and train smart to survive, thrive, and stay alive.
This is Kate. Signing off until next time. You say you love this country. You say you really care. But America is dying. I don't see no.